This is Josh Smith, pastor of Prince Avenue Baptist Church in Bogart, Georgia. Our mission at Prince is simple, leading people to trust and follow Jesus. And it's our hope that this sermon would help accomplish that mission. For more information about our church, visit us at pabc.org. Take your Bibles, if you would, this morning and turn with me to Psalm 120. Psalm 120. This morning, we are beginning a 14-week journey through what is known as the Psalms of Ascent. Now, if you are really on top of it this morning, you might know that the Psalms of Ascent, Psalm 120 to 134, is 15 Psalms, and we only have 14 weeks We're combining the last two. That's just how it worked out. Um, But 14-week journey, so that's going to take us from this morning, Lord willing, all the way till the end of July and getting us set uh, for a great new uh, school year in August. I'm really excited about this, that these Psalms have been particularly helpful to me in my life. I, I don't know if there's been any section of Scripture that has helped me more navigate my relationship with Jesus Christ than these. They've really instructed me and pointed me in the right way. Uh, They've corrected me in many ways. They have, I think, become a little bit of my life story. I just see myself in these and I think you will too. And so I've been anxious to preach these. I've never preached them before. I've always wanted to preach them. And so this is really strategic because somehow I feel like God's given me direction for the end of the year. I know where we're going to be in August and Lord willing, I know we're going to be to the end of the year and I know some things that God is stirring up in our hearts and we're going to present to you some really exciting things in October about how we want to see God continue to do his work here in us and through us. And these Psalms of Ascent are really leading us in that direction. So this is not just Pastor Josh needed some way to fill the next 14 weeks before everybody gets back after summer. This, this really is taking us somewhere. We're moving somewhere as a church. So because of that, I only have one hesitation in preaching these now. And that's it. It is about to be summer and y'all are going to be all over the place. All right, summer at Prince is just, I don't know where everybody goes. College students, y'all are going to take off somewhere. And then you rest, y'all are going to go to the beach, the lake, grandma's house, whatever. You're going to be doing something. And so here's the deal. We're going to preach through these, but I, I need you to make me a commitment if you can. We're going to do a show of hands commitment. And there's the reason why these Psalms are great on the beach. I'm just telling you, they're great. They're great for the lake. They're great for any circumstance. So I I just want to ask if you will follow with me over the next few months, because I don't don't want you to miss out on where God is taking us as a church. We're a body. We're moving someplace. Uh, Will you commit to to just listen to these over the next few weeks, can you? Nine of you. Praise God. So... Can we try that again? I mean, honestly, don't lie to me, but would you, would you keep up with me a little bit? All right, that's better. It's not super encouraging, but it's better. I shouldn't even ask. All right, Psalm 120. You'll see right there before the first verse, it says these words, a song of ascent. And you've already heard me say that a couple of times, but let's talk about what that means. First of all, these are songs. So we're about to spend the next 14 weeks looking at 15 different songs. I just find it really interesting that right in the middle of the Bible, in the book that has the most chapters and the most verses, it's just a collection of songs. It's a hymnal right in the middle. You don't open up the middle and have this book with the most chapters be a catechism, which I love, 
or a systematic theology, which I love, you have songs, you have poetry. Now that's significant. It's significant because it reminds us that God not only wants to fill our minds with truth, he wants to fill our hearts with affection. God wants us to feel deeply. He wants us to think deeply and he wants us to feel deeply. And so he's given us these songs to stir up our heart and our minds, to fill our minds with truth, but to do so in such a way that stirs up our hearts. God has designed us to be a singing people. I mean, this is a big part of who we are. It is a big part of who God has called us to be. If you just trace the history of God's people, particularly from the Exodus on, in strategic, significant, life-changing, God-glorifying moments, God gives people songs to sing. One of the primary ways that God gets the truth in us is through the ministry of songs. And these songs that we have here, they're honest, they're real, they're joyful, they're sad, it reminds us that God wants these truths to touch our hearts deeply. He wants us to be real. He wants this relationship with him to be personal. He does want to engage our hearts. Now, I want to say before we spend the next 14 weeks in the Psalms, this is going to be a challenge for some of you, but the Psalms have to be felt. They can't just be known. They can't just be understood. Now, there's truth here, and so you got to understand them. Sometimes they're difficult to understand, but they have to be felt. And so you have to feel these deeply. You've got to read them and you've got to see the emotion in the text and you've got to enter in to what is happening in these. And this is going to be good for us, a good exercise for us to see the way in which God wants to stir us up internally. But it says they're songs of ascent. The word ascent means to, to be traveling, to be moving, to be climbing, specifically to be moving upward. We ascend a hill, we ascend a mountain. These are songs for those who are moving in an upward direction. Through the centuries, these songs, these collection of songs have been referred to as pilgrim songs. And the reason is, is because these were the songs that were sung by the people of God as they made their pilgrimage up to Jerusalem for the festivals. So at least three times a year and other times as well, but three primary times a year, the people of God would ascend the hill of the Lord. They would go up to Jerusalem. They would go up to Mount Zion. And that place was a symbol of the presence of God. It was there in which the presence of God dwelt. So they weren't just going for religious reasons. They weren't just going for ritual. They weren't just going for festivities. They were going to meet with God. It was from Jerusalem in which the presence of God dwelt. It was from there in which his blessings flowed. It was from there in which the peace of God was intended to be experienced and spread to the ends of the earth. And so as these people would gather and they would begin to make their journey up, they would have songs. And these songs would help instruct them not only how to take that journey, but would instruct them on what it really means to know God and, and to fellowship with God. And so here we are, 3,000 years later, and 6,000 miles from Jerusalem, <laughs> and we wonder, why do we need the songs of ascent? We're not traveling every year to Jerusalem, but there are some reasons we need these. And by way of introduction to the series, I want to show you why these are so important for us, because these really do have a real daily and practical effect upon our lives. The first reason these matter is because they remind us that we're not only a singing people, we are, as Christians, a traveling people. 
I don't just mean the summer. You are a traveling people. But we are, as Christians, a traveling people. We're, we're moving somewhere. We're going in a direction. We are still today pilgrims. A pilgrim is somebody who leaves someplace in a hope for something better. That's our story as the people of God. We have left something in the hope for something better. We are going somewhere. We are a moving people. We remember that we are strangers and exiles in this place in which we live. Listen, our hope is not here. Our treasure is not here. Our heart is not here. And our home is not here. We don't belong here. Now we are here. And we do what God has called us here. And we're faithful here. And we invest here. But the reality is, the reason that Jesus tells us to be careful not to build up so much treasure here is because God does not want our heart here. We are passing through this place as pilgrims on a journey to get someplace better than this. And that is our hope in life and death, that this is just a little picture of the glory that is to come. So that's why the invitation of Jesus in our lives is not just come and believe in me, which is necessary, it's come and follow me. That's why we say here our mission is to lead people to trust and follow Jesus. So we want people to believe that Jesus is better and in response, follow him. And just the fact that Jesus says that, he reveals even in those two words that we're going someplace. That we're on a journey. We're not just standing still. We have this idea that, you know, you say a little prayer and you get Jesus and you put him in your pocket and someday you're going to need him. And at that moment when you need him, you, you take him out. And you think, I know I got him here somewhere. Uh, oh, yeah, here it is on Judgment Day. I, I got Jesus. Here he is. That's not the way it works. We accept the invitation to join Jesus in his journey as we walk together toward the presence of God. And that is an everyday journey. We're constantly making our way to God. And that's why these Psalms matter as well. They not only tell us we're a traveling people, these Psalms remind us where we're going. It's like they take our attention back and say, don't forget where you're going. And we're not going to Jerusalem, but we are going into his presence. We're moving towards our experience of God. We're moving towards enjoying God. We are constantly moving toward him. And so... Jerusalem and Zion and the hill of the Lord becomes a metaphor for us in the Old Testament. So in the same way they, they physically went up to the hill of the Lord, we have passages like Psalm 24 that say, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And so we take that Psalm and we say, Lord, I, I wanna ascend the hill of the Lord. I wanna know you. I wanna be in your presence. I wanna experience you. And Psalm 24 matters to us because it shows us how we as the people of God kind of metaphorically ascend the hill of the Lord. How do we get into the presence of God? And listen, we're not just waiting in hopes that someday we might be with God. Jesus says in John 17, this is eternal life that you might know me. Do you realize eternal life with God begins the moment you come to know Jesus Christ? And at the moment of salvation, you're now going to him. You're moving towards him. You're experiencing him. And all of your life is knowing him and knowing him and knowing him. Till one day you get to heaven and what you get in heaven is not your first introduction to the Lord. It is the fullness of everything you've got a taste of as you've walked with him on this earth. So we're not waiting for his presence. We're experiencing it now. And so we are moving toward God and fellowship with him and intimacy with him. 
But not only that, these songs are really a roadmap for us as we take that journey. So we're a traveling people, we're pilgrims. Where are we moving? Toward God. Listen, you're either moving toward God or away from God every moment of the day. We're never just standing still. So these reminds us we're moving toward God and it gives us a bit of a roadmap for the journey. And that's why these are so practical. Because in these Psalms, we have really common themes for every pilgrim who's ever gone to God. And although they went physically up to God, we are going towards God every day in our life. And this becomes a little bit of a roadmap for us. And the goal of these is this, I want to get into the presence of God. I wanna know him, I wanna meet with him, I wanna enjoy him, I wanna be close to him, that's our desire. I think there's a lot of reasons I love these Psalms, but one of the things that God has clarified in my life, and this is a bit of where we're going, and I think some of the clarity God's gonna bring us to as a church in the fall, I think I've known this in some way, but it's become more and more clear that the greatest passion of my life is to lead people into the presence of God. What I mean is I don't want just people reading the Bible. I want them reading the Bible and meeting God. I don't want them just reading this and going, well, here's nine more things I have to do. I want you to see God in here. And I don't want you to just come to church. I want you to meet God. And I don't want you just to be in a community group. I want you to meet God. And through your friendships, through your relationships, through your service, through your activities, I want all of those things to be leading you closer to God, to know him and to enjoy him and to walk with him and to hear from him every day. See, my fear is, is that the past generation of churchgoers did a good job of inviting people to say a prayer, but they didn't do a good job inviting people to take a journey. So here's what happened as a result. What happened is we said, if you'll say this prayer, everything in your life's gonna be good. And so they say a prayer and everything's not good. And then what happens? They get disappointed with Jesus. Like it's Jesus's fault. It's not Jesus's fault. It's the preacher's fault who said it. Jesus is not disappointing. Everything you've ever longed for deeply in your heart can only be found in Jesus. What's disappointing is not Jesus. It's that instead of being invited on a journey, you were invited to say a prayer and you missed the daily encounter with Jesus Christ. And so the invitation of Jesus is, hey, listen, turn from that and come to me and we're gonna journey together day by day and we're gonna get in this word and we're gonna get with the people of God and we're gonna get into this and slowly, step by step, you're gonna see your life change and you're gonna moment by moment find that Jesus is satisfying. Why? Because you're walking with him. And that's my heart. My heart is to lead people on that kind of journey, which is exactly what these songs do. These songs are just a roadmap to daily lead us into the presence of God. And the starting place for that journey is Psalm 120. It's the starting place. So look what it says, starting in verse one. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me. For I sojourn in Meshech, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. 
Now, I, I told you, you got to feel the Psalms, and if you were to feel this one, you would feel sad. <laughs> it's just sad. It's somber. It's sad, and, and to be honest with you, it's, it's a little bit scary. Surrounded by wicked people, feeling incredibly trapped, and there's danger coming with these fiery arrows that are being shot towards you. But it really all begins with three simple facts. Look at verse one. Distress, calling on the Lord, and being answered. That's it. That's how it begins. So the journey begins with someone saying, in the past, here's what happened to me. I was in distress, and so I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me. Now that word distress means to be in a narrow place to be closed in, to be struck, stuck. It really gives the idea of being absolutely trapped. Almost the feeling of being claustrophobic. It's like you're trapped and you don't know a way out and you don't wanna be here and it's a scary place and the walls are closing in and in and the more they close in, the more you're feeling trapped. That's the kind of distress. I'm hemmed in, I'm, I'm closed in, I'm stuck here and I can't get out. And so because of that, he needed supernatural help and by God's grace, he called to the Lord. That word called means cried. He, he was desperate. And so there is a bit of, of fear here. He's scared. That is the feeling of this text. I'm scared. I, I don't know what's going to happen next. I'm about to be destroyed. I don't want to be here. And so in that feeling of being absolutely trapped and miserable, he cries out to the Lord. And the answer is that he was answered by the Lord. In other words, the Lord delivered him from that place. The Lord took him out of that confining place and removed him from that. And so while he was feeling kind of this way and stuck and scared because the walls were clearing in, listen, all of a sudden, the Lord delivered him and he breathed and he felt as if he was given a new place and a new life. That's exactly what he said happened to him in the past. And so what was, what was his distress? Well, we don't know exactly. We don't know. The Psalms don't always work that way. They don't usually give us a specific context, but I'll tell you this. I believe this place is going to feel familiar to you. If you're honest, I think the place that he was in is going to feel familiar to you. We don't know everything, but we do know this. Verse two, he was surrounded by liars. <laughs> he was surrounded by liars. Deliver me, what? From lying lips. Everyone around me is lying. And from a deceitful tongue. The word deceitful means not just lies, but intentional lies intended to bring harm. So the people he was surrounded with didn't just lie, but they lied intentionally with the hope that they might deceive you and bring harm upon your life. He says, Lord, I'm, I'm surrounded by all of these people and I don't want to be. He's in a dangerous position. Look at verse three and four. What shall be given to you and what more shall be done to you, deceitful tongue? What's going to happen to all of these liars and deceivers? Well, the answer is verse 4. A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. They used to make arrows for warfare out of a broom tree. And the reason is, is because that wood burned like charcoal. It burned hot and it burned long. And so they would take these arrows and they would light them on fire and they would shoot them into enemy territory. And the effect was not just that it would pierce someone, but it would start a fire and it would burn for a long time. It would be really hard to put this fire out. So just imagine you're just throwing charcoal, hot charcoal into the enemy lines. And so it's gonna consume and start a fire. What he says is this, I'm here surrounded by these deceivers and liars. And you know what's happening? All of a sudden, these fiery arrows are coming towards them, and I'm here, and they're coming toward me. 
So it's a dangerous place. Look what he says in verse six and seven. It's a, it's a place of a lot of conflict, a lot of drama. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I'm for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. So he's saying there's, there's no peace around here. I want peace, but there's no peace. There's, there's conflict. These people don't want peace. They don't value peace. So I'm surrounded by liars and deceivers. I'm surrounded by a lot of drama. I'm surrounded by a lot of conflict. I'm in a dangerous position. Listen, and I'm scared. Because I don't want to be here anymore. And the key to understanding this passage is a couple of words in verses five and six. Look carefully there. It says, woe to me that I sojourn. That's a very important word. Circle that. In Meshach. That I dwell, there's the next important word, circle that, it's going to be important, among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my, here it is again, dwelling among those who hate peace. Now Meshach and and Kedar are pagan lands in the opposite direction of Jerusalem. The opposite direction of the hill of the Lord. So what he's saying is there's these distant lands, these ungodly lands far from the presence of God. And listen, whether he means it literally or figuratively, we don't know. When he says, I have dwelled there for a long time, it might be that he went to these pagan lands. It might have been that in his heart, he's been dwelling in these pagan lands. All we know is this, listen, his place of distress, listen, was a place far from God. It was a place far from God. And what happened is, look, he sojourned there, meaning he was wandering there. A sojourner is not someone who settles down. They they don't dwell in a place. They just go from place to place. So you start to get this vision of someone who's got a restless heart. And uh, they can't figure out exactly where to go and what they want in life. And so they're just sojourning different places. This is someone who sojourned away from God, walked away from the presence of God. And then what happened? Look, he ended up dwelling there, which means he did inhabited. He did settle in. He did make a home. And too long, he said, I have had my dwelling among those who hate peace. So it could have been that he began with a restless heart and was just looking for something to satisfy him. So he just took a little trip over away from God's presence very intentionally. I don't want this. I want this. And he goes over here and he believes the lie that there's something better over here. He wasn't going to stay very long, but he ends up staying a lot longer than he thought. And now, finding himself in that place, he's terrified because things aren't going very well. If you would turn to the left just a little bit to the book of Ruth. To the book of Ruth. It's Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. It's a small little book. It tells us a story that really follows Ruth and her mother-in-law and their journey. Away from the presence of God, back to the presence of God. It's really the theme of this book. But look at what it does. It tells us about a man who did a very similar thing than the author of Psalm 120. His name was Elimelech. Now look at these familiar words. Look at Ruth chapter one, verse one. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land and a man of Bethlehem in Judah, he was part of the people of God. He went to sojourn in the country of Moab. Moab is a pagan land, the enemies of God. So what he did is he decided to sojourn away from the presence of God. And he took he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife, Naomi. And the name of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites. 
took me a while on that one. Ephrathites from Bethlehem, so they were part of the people of God. But look at this. They went into the country of Moab, and listen, it changed. They remained there. They were just gonna sojourn, but they remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. And these took Moabite wives. And the name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. Listen to this next word. They lived there about 10 years. And both Malon and Kilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. So, so here's what happened. There was a little bit of conflict and there was a famine in the land and he didn't know what to do. Instead of trusting the Lord and staying with the people of God, he did a dangerous thing. He walked away from the people of God. He walked in the opposite direction of the presence of God, but he didn't intend to stay very long. He was just gonna sojourn over there. But he ended up not just sojourning, he ended up remaining there. And not only did he remain there, he lived there for 10 years. And as he did, his entire world began to fall apart. Everything went wrong. Why? Because he went in the wrong direction. Reminds me of that phrase that I used to hear when I was a kid. Sin takes you further than you want to go and keeps you longer than you want to stay. He was just going to sojourn for a while away from God. Ended up living there for 10 years. And it's exactly what happened to the man in Psalm 20. He sojourned, look in verse five, I'm just gonna sojourn to these pagan lands with pagan people. But then he's dwelling there and now he says, too long have I dwelt there. You see, he was drawn away the way, the way everyone is drawn away because he believed a lie that there was something better than the presence of God. And then he ended up one day in the wrong place around the wrong people and his entire life is crashing in upon him because he's walked in the wrong direction. I love the book of, of Proverbs. The first nine chapters are really just a conversation between a father and a son, just about life. And they are very honest conversations. There is nothing uh, out of bounds in these conversations. The first conversation he has is just very quickly in verses six and seven, it says, you need to choose the way of the Lord, walk with the Lord. But after that, you know the next conversation he has? It's about not being tempted to go with the wicked. Listen to what he says in Proverbs 1. Just listen to these. You don't need to turn there. Listen to this, Proverbs 1. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For there are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with me, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We'll find precious goods there. We'll fill our houses with plunder. Hey, throw in your lot among us and we'll all have one purse. What he's saying is, hey, come on, we're gonna have a good time. We're gonna make a lot of money. Come and join with us. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths for their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood for in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood they set an ambush for their own lives. What he's saying is this, what they're gonna do is they're gonna say, hey, come on, let's set a trap for someone else. But you know what happens? They end up falling in their own trap. He's saying, if you choose to walk away from the Lord, what's gonna end up happening is you're simply gonna end up bringing more harm upon yourself. I've said this to you before, sin is self-harm. Every time you walk in sin, what you're saying is this, I would like a little bit more dysfunction in my life. I don't have enough. 
I would enjoy a little bit more pain. I would like a little bit less peace. I would like a little bit less joy. Some of you are nodding your heads because you know this. You've been there. And so there's this promise of something better. But the further you walk in sin, the more you found that you have caused great harm to yourself and to those you love. A walk away from God is the welcoming of more pain and more dysfunction in your life. And so the psalmist walks that way. He goes away from the Lord. And what happens is he wakes up one day and he realizes that there's these fiery darts that are being shot in his direction. They're the fiery darts of the judgment of God and all of the pain and all of the suffering is coming on him. Why? Because he chose to go the direction away from God. And now he's scared. Because sometimes God will bring us to a place where we've so far gone that we're terrified and he wakes up one day and he realizes he doesn't want to be here. Because the enemy did to him what the enemy does to everybody else. He uses your weaknesses and your insecurities and your desires and your longings and your hurts and your pains and he lies to you to get you to go in the wrong direction. And every step you take away from him is bringing more harm upon yourself, which is exactly why in verse five, he says this, woe to me, I'm in trouble. Woe to me. God, I am, I'm in trouble. I have been dwelling too long here among these people. And this is the cry of the one who wakes up one day and realizes this, it's in verse seven. God, all I want is peace. I'm for peace. God, chaos is around me. Drama is around me. And God, I don't want this anymore. I want the peace of God. I want the shalom of God to rest upon me. God, I want my heart to be at peace. I want everything around me to be at peace. God, I am living in absolute chaos. And it's my fault, God. I'm the one that came here. God, I don't want it anymore. I want, I want the peace of God, he says. Now, I said this, and I believe it's true, that this is a familiar place, I think, to most of us. It may not be just a familiar place in terms of the fact that your journey has not been Godward. Your journey has been away from God, and you know what it's like to be stuck in a place where, like the prodigal son, you wake up having lost it all, and God in his grace allows you to come to your senses. That's what happened with the prodigal son. I love that it says, and he came to his senses. He lost everything. He believed the lie. He went with his friends. He did a lot of fun stuff. He lost everything. He came to his senses. So you know what it's like to be stuck there and you're scared and you're afraid and you don't know the way out and you feel trapped and the walls are closing in and nothing is going the way that they promised it was gonna go. But listen to this. It's not just because of those long decisions and hurts and pains and chaos of feeling trapped. The reality is some of us have things in our life this morning where you just say, God, I don't want that anymore. I don't want that addiction. I don't want those words to come out of my mouth. I don't want those attitudes. I don't want to live with this anymore. I hate this. It's not bringing me peace. God, I don't want this anymore. And that's really how the psalm ends. The psalm ends by saying, God, I'm here and I know it's my fault, but I don't want to be here anymore. And let me tell you something, as scary as that is, that's a really good place to be. Because you don't begin the journey towards God until you get to that place where you realize, God, I don't want to live in that place any longer. Because the way you become a pilgrim is you say, 
I believe there's something better for this and I'm gonna begin my journey Godward. The question is, how do we get there? Because it doesn't leave us with any resolution. Look at that. I mean, the last phrase is, I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. So what do we do? Whether it's you're living the life away from God or there's just something that you don't want anymore and you don't wanna be around anymore, what do you do? Well, the answer is in verse one. Because in verse one, he's recounting what he did when he found himself in this place. Verse one is past tense. Let me tell you what happened. I walked away from God and I thought it was gonna be great and I ended up terrified and I was trapped and there was no way out for me and I had a sin, an addiction, a habit that I hated. It was making me miserable. So what did I do? Verse one, well, in my distress, terrified, trapped, I called to the Lord and he answered me. So what do you do? You, you cry out to the Lord. And what you will realize in that moment as you're humble enough to cry out to the Lord, you'll begin to get the vision of the prodigal son, which is us, who pick ourselves up in all of our shame and all of our dirt. Our clothes are dirty. We're ashamed. We've lost everything. We're humiliated. And, and we rehearse what we're going to say to the father when we get back home. And our head is down and we just walk slowly. And we're just wondering how we're going to make enough excuses for what we've done. And what we realize is once we turn toward God, we don't have to give any reasons or any excuses. We just see a father running toward us as fast as he can to welcome us back. That's God. That's God. And listen, we do it over and over and over and over again. Like the thing that keeps people the most from beginning that journey back is they're just not sure what God is gonna say and say, God, well, you, you don't know everything and the people of God don't know everything. Listen, there's someone in this room that's been through what you've been through, probably going through it right now. And many in this room can give testimony. I got up, I made way towards God and it began to restore my life. And let me tell you something. He doesn't do it by fixing everything immediately. It's just not the way it works. That's why we need these songs. He didn't just say, okay, welcome back. Listen, if you have dwelled too long with the wicked, it takes a good amount of time to get all the wicked out of you. It just does. I wish it didn't, but it does. But you know what? That's okay because you've committed to a journey. You've committed to a journey in which moment by moment, day by day, you're just turning your attention towards God. And that's what this life is about. This life is constantly just making our faces go towards the Lord and taking this journey upward through his word and through friendships, relationships, through the ministry of the local church. We are just headed Godward. And there's a biblical word for this kind of action. It's repentance. Everyone must come to a moment in their life, one moment in which they say, Lord, I'm done with this and I'm turning towards you. I trust you and Jesus Christ and the new life you have for me through your death and resurrection. I'm turning from this and Lord, I'm, I'm coming to you. I'm surrendering to you. And then we do it every single day. We keep repenting, we keep turning, we keep turning, we keep going back to Jesus Christ. And everything that our heart longs for is found there and everything else disappoints. And so here's what the Lord is doing this morning in this place. He is saying, if you wanna start that journey, if you wanna continue on that journey, Godward to everything God has promised, you do it step by step. And the first step is leaving the old life, leaving the things you hate, crying out to the Lord and beginning to move toward him. And on that journey, God begins to restore your soul. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. 
Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this sermon. May you trust and follow Jesus more and lead others to do the same. For more information, visit us at pabc.org.